Yo, what's up everybody? This is your boy A.L. Newton and you're tuned in for another episode of Newt Perspective. I'm so glad that you uh, decided to start your Monday off with me and uh, listen to, hey, one of my favorite podcasts. So I want to start here this week. Um, last week I recorded early because I was in, I was on vacation. I deserve a vacation every now and then if you know the kind of hours I put in. And when I put them in and all the areas I put them in, you know, I deserve a vacation. And so I had to uh, take vacation. Otherwise, I was going to lose it. And uh, in the middle of vacation, John Lewis died. Um, it really, really shook me. Um, I was not privileged enough to have met him, although I know a lot of people who had. Um, but John Lewis, one of the big six one of the 12 freedom riders the little boy from uh alabama whose parents were sharecropper who had only seen two white people when he was the age five john lewis the the one that wanted to be a preacher so he became a preacher uh, although he's not known for his preaching prowess john lewis the youngest of them the man that met Rosa Parks at 15 and uh, MLK Jr. at the age of 18. John Lewis that was beaten um, so viciously on, on Bloody Sunday. John, John Lewis, the representative, the icon, the think about it, he's 80. So I was born, John Lewis was was 50. I think my math is right there. Um, that John Lewis died. Um, first off, I want to thank him on this little platform that I have for his incredible service. Um, and then there's what he, he represents. And so as a black man, because that's what I am, uh, every time I look in the mirror, uh, it is important to see black representation, um, especially in certain settings. Listen, I have um, traveled <laughs> a lot of circles, been a lot of places, and for the longest, I was the only um, black man in the room, no matter what the level was. Uh, and definitely, if there were other African-Americans in the room, I was the most vocal. I still am in some circles, and people are always like, I'd, I'd have uh, be in professional settings, um, and people, you can't say that. Why can't I? Um, there was one, t- <laughs> one time I fell asleep. I fell asleep on Rick Scott in Rick Scott's office, and the people that I was with could not believe I did it, uh, and it was disrespectful. I'm not bragging about being disrespectful, but when they asked me about it, I told them the truth. I was too tired to listen to somebody sit up and bullshit me. And so I know what it's like to have the the pressure of um, the eyes on you. And as a black man who has sat in a lot of circles and a lot of places, it's people like John Lewis that you, that you think about when you walk into certain rooms, when you're ultra young. Um, I mean, I had some opportunities at 17, 18. I could, I could never take back. Or I would never want back. I mean, I think I might have said that wrong. I should probably edit it out. But um, that were just, you, you picture that in your head. And then I, I just think uh, 
of days with me and Julian. Uh, shout out to Julian. You know, hey, let me take this moment. I should apologize to Julian. There are a lot of stories that I have that include him. Um, and I think one of the things, <laughs> well, me and Julian used to burn the road up in, in the state of Florida uh, doing so much. And, and sometimes there was Anthony and Julian fatigue. Um, and when we fall out, when we fight, it's never long, but we're very cutthroat because we're the same person. We just don't want to admit it. Uh, I can't wait to have him on the pod so he can. So he, <laughs> I can't wait to have him on the pod just so I can remind him how much he would hate being on at his school or being on his campus. And uh, women would come up and ask him if he knew me. And it would just piss him off because he just thinks he's just so good looking and he'd be so angry. Oh, God. We, we got a lot of good stories, but uh, I'm probably looking back on all the memories and moments we had. He, he should have been in my wedding standing next to me, but uh, we were mad at each other when uh, I made the wedding plans and we're both petty. And uh, I apologize for that, especially losing a giant like John Lewis and um, knowing that that's one of the people as a black man that uh, has has helped uh, some tra- blaze some trails um, that not many people will ever will ever see because we're not see me type people in certain situations. But um, I'll never forget our moments of traveling and and being in rooms with um, executives and CEOs and college presidents and making our claim and and presenting information and um fighting for representation and it was it was people like john lewis that inspired us um or or, or ct vivian that that inspired us and it wasn't just that that's i think that's one of the reasons i take it so personal when people always bring up just mlk because there were so many other african-american men that kept the fight going even after dr king had died and as a black man, I just appreciate the, the, the representation. If you know me, you know that I am a Republican. And this is probably shocked the hell out of a lot of people just because of some of the things I say. Um, I have a lot of a, a Republican values and beliefs. But um, when it came to, like, just President Obama, if, you, if you've ever talked to me about uh, certain things, you know that I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of policies or the way they were done. But as a black man representing what black men are for so long being told what we can't do, how we can't do it, how our way will never work or how we just need to fall in line. There's people like that that you look at to say, hey, they, they shattered a mold and that representation matters. It's one of the reasons um, when I go to schools, visit schools, I almost always try to, Yeah, I'm getting old now. I don't know if it's because I'm older, because I'm fat, my suits don't fit the same, but I used to always wear a suit and a tie because um, most black kids, when you had interaction with them, or kids, period, when they saw a black man in a suit and a tie, their immediate reaction was, oh, they're a preacher. And it's because that's the only time they had seen black men in suit and ties. And so um, we made it an effort to go on campuses and go in front of people, suit and ties, um, some people are like, God, you're going to burn in that being in, in, in certain attires in certain places. And so, um, those representations, what it means that, that, um, unknown fraternity, I think about it locally, um, the number of, um, men that serve in that representation role 
that not everybody that's polished or everybody that steps to the microphone is, is in that fraternity. Um, I remember being a whole lot younger. I say that like I'm so old. Um, and one of the one of the brothers that's in that fraternity, and you don't get inducted in or anything like that, um, he was mad with me. He didn't speak to me. We just start speaking as crazy because we talk every single day now. But he was like, yeah, man, I just can't get with it. I just can't get with you. I just couldn't figure it out. And I was uh, – couldn't understand why me and him couldn't work together and he said because you know you're supposed to be the standard bearer and you're doing this this that and the third then to this day he's one of the few people that can look me in my face and call me stupid uh there's like four of those everybody else will get cussed out i don't care what the uh what the setting is but that representation of having somebody else who is as passionate as you um as strong as you are and believes in the things that you believe in it's huge, and I'm so thankful for, on a national scale, outside of the black pulpit, because people can name T.D. Jakes and Jamal Bryan. Um, they, they, they can name the preachers, but to see Elijah Cummings do it for so long and John Lewis do it for so long and um, President Obama, because of his age, uh, if the Lord, good Lord gives him health, will be along so long, and, and you've got another generation I think of the Cory Bookers or I think of those that are doing the work now, like the Brandon Johnsons of the world that will one day stand in that mode of this is who we see on a political scale. This is going to who's going to inspire the same way young black kids are inspired by rappers and um, ball players, And th this is the next generation. And it's so good to know people across the country that are that are plugged in that way. And so um Thank you to, to John Lewis for all that he's done. People don't realize, and thank you to his family, what kind of servitude that takes. Um, it's one thing to be a leader because leaders offer a lot of time. It's another thing to be a leader uh, in situations to where you don't know when you're coming home. Um, if you just look at the two most known civil rights, uh, African-American movers, males, uh, Coretta Scott King and... Uh, did I say that right? I might be drunk. And uh, Malcolm X's wife, they were they were terrified of losing their husbands because at the end of the day, they were still husbands and fathers. Um, but there's something about sitting that down to pick up the mantle, the fight for the community. Um, that's important. And that's not always appreciated, not even by people in your community. It's funny. We had a situation in, in Lake City, Columbia County. Whatever, whatever happened this week, and I got a phone call about it like eleven thirty-five. I was half asleep. God, I was so sleepy. I was, I was about to be like knocked out, and the situation came up, and like fifteen, sixteen different phone calls, and I'm trying to juggle them, and, and I'm trying to handle it. Um, I'm not the type of person that when these situations come up, to to beat people up in the street about it. We're, we're gonna handle it. Uh, uh, we're gonna handle it behind closed doors first and then if behind closed doors isn't effective then we could take it out publicly but in the process of that somebody called me back and was like oh such and such isn't a fan of yours huh it's like well, what do you mean and they told me the person's name I was like, yeah they, they're mad about a woman i ain't slept with in eight years so whatever um and begin to tell me all they said and i'm like sometimes for people it's not enough some sometimes sometimes people just they don't appreciate uh Appreciate all the hours that you put in just because they got a stupid-ass reason.
but that doesn't stop you from going to the fight. And that's one of the things you learn from from watching these big figures. Um, speaking of these big figures, though, and this is a moment in the world needs diversity training. Every staff should be like if you should surround yourself with people from all walks of life so you don't make the stupid mistake like Marco Rubio made that is writing this quote unquote long um sentimental uh thing towards John Lewis only to post a picture of Elijah Cummings. Because you know, hey, all black folks look alike. <laughs> it just it just fits the, the stereotype in the mode of just surround yourself with a diverse group of individuals that you consider, I keep saying it, that you should have enough people in the room that all trust each other enough that you can throw ideas off of and they tell you, hey, that's not going to stick and it's not going to go over well. Not going over well. I'm convinced that somebody on the staff of the President of the United States listens to my podcast because how about that pivot this week? I said last week, oh, there's a way to do it, to leverage your... Uh, to get your point across and and leverage and um, get your point across and leverage your opposition's points to the, to achieve the ultimate goal. And have y'all noticed the presidential pivot? We're we're, we're wearing masks during briefings now. Um, new polling shows fifty one percent now of the Republican Party uh, supports mask wearing. Now it's too little, too late. I, I give uh, the administration credit for. Uh, finally doing the right thing, but it's too little too late because some people have it stuck in their mind that um, that they just can make up these set of facts. Is that a reflection of leadership? I told y'all there's a, there's a presidential podcast. We're 100 days away from the election. You will get one of those, but it just blows my mind. Has anybody else watched this uh, Trump, Chris Wallace video? President Trump, he is the president. President Trump and Chris Wallace uh <laughs> video where we're just making up facts and shout out to Chris Wallace for being employed by the network he's employed with and still saying, Hey, no, these are the actual facts. And it's quite hilarious to watch, uh, Katie McHaney and those try to help, um, our, our president figure out, uh, what to say back to Chris Wallace. So shout out to him. And there's a way he wasn't disrespectful with it. Um, shout out to that form and that style of journalism to where you um, can hold people accountable without losing respect or disrespecting a person. And I think that that is a lost art on all of us ways to get your point across without um, disrespecting a person. I've had I still have like three Hey, I need your opinion on these to get back. If you're listening to those, hopefully, if you're listening right now, prayerfully, I got back to you today because some of y'all wrote me early. Some of these questions are so in-depth, and I want to make sure I handle them with the proper level of uh, sensitivity and uh, intellect that they deserve. Um, but there's a way to get your point across without disrespecting people. And uh, I think we we have to get back to that. That has to be the norm. That's one of the things I think we've lost since 2015. Um, when the campaign cycle started, not so much that uh, people, quote unquote, tell the truth. But I think we lost the ability. Hell, if we're being honest, take it back to 2017 when when we were questioning President Obama's birth certificate. But people got real disrespectful 
in their pursuit of opinions and presenting their position. And so it's nice to see people like Chris Wallace put in actual actions the way you can challenge a person, remain respectful, keep your integrity, even when they call you a liar or, or try to call you wrong or present you with alternative facts. And still, once the conversation is open, if people are still over, if people are still intrigued, you have the ability to go present your actual facts and, and what is what it is. Um, the fact of the matter is the United States of America has handled the coronavirus terribly. Um, I know that there are a lot of people that listen to this um, that probably agree with the way it's been handled. I totally disagree. Um, as a pastor, this virus has vexed me because the phone calls, the worries, the, hey, this person is on a vent. Um, just this week, I've gotten three. This person is on this on the vent. I've gotten one, hey, we need to start to make arrangements because we're totally afraid. Can you come to the hospital? And one death all in, in the matter of a week span from this virus. Don't get me wrong. There are some people who get it. They pass it. There are some people that don't even know they have it. But to see that side of it, um, families not understanding the, the oxygen level dropping, um, the bills are starting to come in. It is terrifying to me. Put on a damn mask. It will hold your own germs in and, and just stop, help stop the damn spread of this thing. Um, I, I do believe it will magically disappear in November because I believe that there will be new leadership. And I think that um, we won't hype it as much. I think the, the push for vaccination will go quicker. Although that's kind of sickening, but I think we, we grow some transparency in the treatment. I think other countries will share their medical information better with us. They've got a head start on the virus, but we're still America and have the best scientists in the world. And I think that because of certain leadership, countries don't share with us what they would normally share with us. And so I think you see it go away. Um, once again, I'm, I... <laughs> I'm on this, hey, I don't think we're getting certain levels of sports. I am appalled locally at the decision for uh, Little League sports. We're going to damn sanitize the ball in between possessions. What happens when you line people up nose to nose, little kids up nose to nose, and have them scrimmage sweat all over each other? Yeah, their kids and the, and the rate of them having symptoms from it is low, but what happens when they go hug Mima and Papa? that's sitting in the stands and all of a sudden they've given it to them. And now that three or four year old is burying me, mom and papa prematurely. Yeah. Death happens, but I don't care who you are. The age one, nobody is prepared and ready for death Two, nobody is prepared for a premature death. And I just think that's stupid. Same thing on the high school level. I know people with sports, sports is what unifies us. Or everybody needs sports or sports are a good thing. One, sports are a damn, in my opinion, a damn distraction from what's going on in the real world. Brianna Taylor's uh, murderers are still not arrested. At this point, the American government is using uh, troops on American protesters. If you step back and pull away the news um, and just look at the images we look like a third world country we're we're, de we're deploying troops in cities for protesters instead of finally sitting down at the table and trying to work things out sports are a distraction 
but I do miss sports because it's nice to be distracted from time to time. Um, nevertheless, if I wasn't getting paid millions of dollars, I wouldn't play. Nicole and I have given uh, our son the option. It's, it's his choice. Um, he'll be 18 in October. He'll be able to vote. And so if he's able to vote, then he ought to be able to make that kind of decision for his life. Um, but I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid to risk it all for a sport that might not last for you. You, <laughs> If you don't have potential to go to college and that playing ball is how you get your degree or you um, don't have the potential to go to the league and, and change whatever league you might be looking at and change your family path, you could lose everything. Um, I know people um, that have had seven or eight family members sick from this virus in Columbia County and somebody die from it. And so just just the way we handle things, our mindset, and I miss people, I miss gatherings, I miss having people in church when uh, when my friends are around, because I'll be honest, I do sometimes, from time to time, sit in a room with friends. People can't believe I don't shake their hands. I, I miss physical contacts. I'm a hugger. I, I, I miss those things. But once again, the fear is taking that and dropping that off to somebody else, especially in my profession, where I interact with hundreds and hundreds of people from all different light walks of life every day. And so we... We have to to realize that that this thing is is real. So um, there's a lot more on the show notes, but I gotta go write uh, write something for the class of 2020 for their baccalaureate because I have no idea what I'm going to say, uh, and hope I don't say anything too drastic. Then again, I kind of don't care. Um, there are three speakers, but I'm definitely honored to share the uh, stage with. Uh, Aaron Randolph, who is one of my closest brothers and friends, and um, we we've talked a few times about what we're going to say, and uh, I, he is definitely a whole lot smarter than I am. Um, so we we always have to lean on the old gift of gab. Hey, so close on this. I told y'all I haven't bought a tie all 2020, and I was going to go buy a tie for baccalaureate. And for the first time in my life, I went tie shopping and found nothing attractive. I really might be sick. But that's all I got uh, this week. And until next week, God, that is spiking. I hope that's not loud in your ears. Um, until next week, I love you. And there's absolutely, positively nothing you can do about it. Peace.